in my book, I have, I cover a number of different relationships, relationships with myself, with food, clothing, animals, humans, community, and divinity. And um, it's all encouraging the reader to love themselves as they walk through the pages, being intentional, reflecting on where am I at in these different relationships? How can I care for them? And how can I care for myself at the same time? Uh, so an example of one of the page spreads from the one of the chapters about relationships with human beings is about making a promise to myself that whenever I have a conflict or tension with my spouse or with anyone else, a new promise that I will love myself in that. So for example, if I say a sharp word to you and I hear it and I feel bad, I will love myself. If I forget to show up to our coffee date, I will love myself. If um, you let me down somehow um, and you're not responding to my emotional need, I will love myself. Um, I will also, you know, want to show up and apologize and own my part and grow and transform and learn as well. But I also don't want to miss the step to love myself in all of that. Good day. Hello. Greetings. Wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining True Hope Cast, the official podcast of True Hope Canada. True Hope Cast takes a deep dive into the many physiological and psychological aspects that make up mental health this is the show for you if you're looking for motivation inspiration knowledge and solutions that's what we are all about here at true hope canada and true hope canada is a mind and body based supplement company dedicated first and foremost to promoting brain and body health through non-invasive nutritional means for more information about us you can visit truehopecanada.com today i welcome rachel Orr to the podcast now rachel is a psychologist illustrated self-help author art playgroundist and clothing ambassador who also loves to listen to the beauty within people today we're going to be discussing nurturing relationships enjoy the show okay rachel welcome to true hope cast thank you so much for being with me for being with us how are you what is going well Oh, gosh, thank you. I'm well. I'm super well. I just am extra boosted. Yesterday was actually on a local TV show, responding to some like beautiful questions and encouraging audience members. It was so much fun. So I'm so happy to follow up and be here with you now. Very cool. As an introduction, why don't you let us know who you are and what it is that you do, please? Okay, great. So I, Rachel Laws, I work as a psychologist, art playgroundist. I'm an author and a clothing ambassador and influencer. Very cool. And you were on a TV show, what, yesterday? What were you, what were yes. you talking about? What were you, what questions were people answering? I wonder what's hot topic these days. Exactly. I was on a show called Twin Cities Live and uh, it's a talk show. And I was asked questions about, um, because I have this new book, The Relationship Book, I was asked a lot of re relevant questions in regard to that about, tell us about how important it is to have a relationship with ourselves. And um, questions like, is it more complex being in our 20s to be able to look at that without experience and much experience in our lives than it is, let's say, midlife or later in our lives? 
Um, we talked about clothing and about our relationships with others and nurturing those. Just a number of um, just lovely conversations um, for the audience. Well, that's very cool. How how did you go about answering questions about because when you when you think about relationships, I think most people will immediately think about their relationship with a partner or a friend right. or somebody else, another entity, like a relationship with a pet, relationship with your job, relationship with your hobbies, you know. So it's always external, external, external. But we very rarely like introvertly look back towards ourselves yeah. and think about the relationship that I have with my physical body, my mental body, the personality that I would consider to be my like core authentic self or the ones that I fake and put out into the world unconsciously. So there's like obviously so much going on with that. So how would you you go about like answering a question about like how do I begin to start opening a dialogue with myself to develop the relationship? Yes. Well, there's, you know, I think numerous portals or numerous ways to enter into that um, precious dialogue with ourselves. Some of us know it um, in our ordinary days where we just even do it somewhat unconsciously, but sometimes like in our in-between places, in the shower, we might sort of mutter things or sing things, right? Or in the car when we're by ourselves, we may talk to ourselves a little bit. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, in the bathroom, you know, just all these different areas where we do know about talking to ourselves. And we're doing it, of course, all the time, mm-hmm. even if it's silently in our own head, whether it's out of stress or joy or all the different places. But I think that um, some of the dialogue can also become more intentional. It can be um, it, a dialogue of what are the ways I am doing self-care, that I am taking care of myself, anything from as basic as my exercise, food, sleep, you know what I'm saying, um, like that, too, um, creating wild and beautiful experiences for ourselves. You know, what if I give myself a hot air balloon at sunset, or I go... Um, you know, and give myself good company and uh, go to the zoo and dialogue with the animals, even if it's quietly in my mind or go dance in the rain. You, you get the idea. Sure, um, the last thing I want to say about a way to be in dialogue and self-care and connection with ourselves is to begin to realize I have many different parts of myself inside who I can be in dialogue with. And you can even be a little playful about it. I have a purple guy inside who's always anxious and I want to be in dialogue with him and taking care of him. I have um, a chatty part of myself who wants to be heard, who has so much to say, and I want to be present and listen to what's going on for her, et cetera. So to begin to even identify different parts inside to listen to to be with to have compassion for well it's just so rare for us to sit and be still and be quiet and it can be very difficult for those different internal parts of us to even be heard when there's just so much literal noise coming in and we're sent the over the the the, um 
just the overload of our senses is just you know we're we're not too used to you know sitting still or meditating yeah. or being present with our bodies where we're able to maybe feel um discomfort or pain or hear these internal things that keep coming up for us it can be so difficult to even do that and you can just see like if you ask most people to sit down still and try and maybe meditate for five to ten minutes how uncomfortable their body is in that state because their body is literally used to taking them from one place to the other and it's kind of like running the show but when we want to kind of like engage our mind a bit consciously to sit the body still it's kind of like training a dog to sit stay there let's relax here yeah you're gonna try and make me feel yeah. itchy you're gonna make me think that i need to get up and do all these types of things yeah. so it can certainly be a difficult thing in in the beginning but once you get there it could be super empowering because there's so much that your body can tell you you know like i think of pain for example this is a really strong message that the body is, is telling us and we do our best to discard it or drug it away or just like not listen to it but it's like it's there for a reason our body is unbelievably um unique and complex and and working for us kind of all all of the time so yeah just like beginning to be still and be present and be conscious with ourselves is a is a huge part of that um self-care relationship piece yes. and i want i wanted to ask you in regards to in regards to actually taking some steps to connect with that self is there like a good mm -hmm. practical way of doing it when it comes to like trauma from a past self or your past personality mm -hmm. or in your history i've personally found it very helpful to uh, like write a letter to my like 10 year old self mm -hmm. and then and then write it back from my 10 year old self back to me and Love. i have a, di a dialogue there and I've, and I've recommended that to some nutrition patients nutrition clients of mine who have had you know issues with food their whole lives and they can kind of stem it back to a period of their life where they had a lot of trauma whether that's their parents breaking up or a physical injury they can trace a lot of this trauma back to themselves but you know it, that's one example like of reconnecting with your old past have yeah. you got any other examples yeah first of all i love that and I think that's brilliant. And I think that there's a lot of research behind when it comes to working with people around food, around nutrition, around trauma, that it does help to gain perspective and to what, what I would call externalize parts of yourself. And so if you externalize, okay, my 10 year old self or another age of yourself, that it's helpful to sort of gain perspective and do that. And it is absolutely related to uh, what I was sharing too about almost naming different parts of you, the, my, my purple guy, my nervous self, or, you know, I could call another part candy. She always wants candy. Or, you know, and have the different parts dialogue and you can do that with letters or role plays or different ways, right? I also like that you said sometimes though it's, and especially with trauma, I think, it can be hard to hear, to listen, and sometimes we don't want to in, in part out of our defenses and not wanting to feel pain. And so I think that there is this um, important step about how do I create an emotionally safe environment for myself to listen? And even do it, doing it in um, tender and gentle and little ways. So for example, um, if you're somebody who likes nature, whether it's the woods or being near water 
etc., mountains, um, to go out of your way to give yourself that environment to go on a walk in and um, or to sit in or do a ritual there. You know, I'm going to put something in a bottle, um, writing to my 10 year old self or um, writing from my wise self to my heart who is tender saying some beautiful things and I'll send it out on the bottle in the water or imagine the wind in nature whisking your messages um, to, you know, the wise frogs or the, the birds with wings who can, you know, help you to feel lighter with their feathers or, you know, making it or, you know, creating a little um, bonfire and doing messages that way. Rituals can be very helpful. But I think this piece about making it safe for you and also not making it so humongous, maybe you just write one sentence, maybe it's not a whole letter. So I also like the idea of making it bite-sized. Yeah, you know what, if you if we had this conversation, say we met in a coffee shop, and we just started chatting and you explained to you explain to me, all of that wonderful stuff when I was 20 years of age. Yeah, I wouldn't I would be like, that is so far like off the wall. Yeah. That's wild. That's mad. Like I can't. And yes. what, what, what I'm really saying is that I've yet to experience and understand what what like physical or mental trauma is and how it sits in the body and can create yeah. physical matter and disease. Right. Right. But when I'm when I'm a young when I'm a young person with that lack of experience and knowledge and education. Mm-hmm. because i don't understand it i'm probably just going to be like you know um, whatevs put it to the put it to the side because my yes. level of understanding isn't there yet because my ego yeah. is just like you know if i don't understand it then it's nonsense but mm-hmm. it's you, you've explained that beautifully there and i wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about how um especially as as young people when our nervous yeah. systems and our biology and our physical self is so underdeveloped yet that when something that might seem as an adult, not that traumatic or that big of a deal. But when we're 10 years old and like maybe we're in the classroom and the the teacher says something to us and everyone laughs at us, for example, like we Mm. might, as an adult, we might Mm. just brush that off and be fine with it. Um, But as a young child, it could be a very difficult thing to to digest. So can you tell us a little bit about how we hold those like traumas and stories um, in ourselves and how that can actually manifest itself into you know, pathologies when we you know when we're, when we're older if we don't actually deal with that initial scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as you're saying, when we're really young, we don't have the defenses or you know built up to deal with things as well, and we um, our brains aren't very developed yet, and so we don't also have the brain to be able to abstractly think about mm-hmm. things and complexly. So I think that, you know, as you're pointing to where that ends up going is <clears throat> it just gets stuffed into the body, into our nervous systems, into our dear hearts, into um, symptoms sometimes, you know, just, and so um, in, in our 20s, one of the biggest gifts at, at any age, but maybe especially in your 20s, one of the greatest gifts then we can give ourselves knowing that some of those um, painful experiences are now just in our bodies is to do body work, take a yoga class, um, you know, maybe get acupuncture, um, 
do things that even are gentle, like go on walks, um, do stretching, do um, some breath work, just being with your breath. It doesn't have to be anything complicated in your thought life. So just considering um, how to be with the body in those ways. And, you know, another thing is that um, if you can be in some kind of class like yoga, as just one example, or Tai Chi, um, in those classes, as we all know, that we're all generally doing movements at the same time, down dog, you know, different sorts of, you know, move your arm here, there. And there is something for trauma that is very soothing to see that as I am moving this way, so is everyone else in the room, that they're, that we're in sync together. And that when you experience yourself as in sync with others over and over and over, there's something about that that's also really calming for trauma. Because what happened with the trauma is you were terribly out of sync with whoever else was there, whether it's the children in the classroom laughing at you, they were out of sync with you, right? They weren't affirming you. They weren't saying, yes, I understand you as you're nodding, they're nodding, mm -hmm. uh, which we need as human beings. We need that mirroring emotion and physical, you know, um, friend leans in, you lean in. We need that mirroring body language and emotion. And so um, it can be healing to provide in sync mirroring experiences for ourselves now when we have trauma. So all these kinds of embodied things and in sync mirroring things can be really helpful. That's great. And I think it's so, um, so valuable to to help people kind of understand this because as i said like as i was 20 if i was 20 years of age yeah or even like there's plenty of like you know grown grown adults that can't really get their head around this as as, as an idea so i always mm -hmm. think you know I, i'm a very like scientific type of guy so i kind of need yeah. to understand how these things work in the body yeah. to to understand like what you're talking about and how that actually works how that actually yeah. works to to heal to digest um you know ancient ancient stories yes, um and I when, love that term yeah and when we're just mm -hmm. um constantly in this like high frequency beta brainwave which we usually are because we're so our every day is just so determined by you know the external things that happen into us whether that's just like literal light or you know the busy 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 work life that we have like we never really get to engage apart from when we're in sleep into that like alpha data um delta brainwave where mm -hmm. when we do do meditation we do yoga we walk in nature and we start to become still and we start to actually mm -hmm. like really slow down what the brain's doing it begins to mm -hmm. organize itself and allow you to get to certain parts of your let's say psyche or your your brain or even your physical self because mm -hmm. you know we know that there's a significant amount of um neurological activity within your gut for example so when we have a gut feeling yes. about something there's mm. a reason for that like 70 percent mm. of our like uh, neurological system is like within our gut it's quite you know it's remarkable the enteric yes. nervous system it's a great reminder yeah it's a super big reminder yes. because when we start you know feeling uh, gut symptoms and we might go and see we might go and see the doctor to get a referral or we might start taking you know uh, like i don't know 
and acids and all these other things to, to help our gut but we're not wouldn't relate that to maybe the stress of the presentation that's coming up or just the the stress of just 2022 so yeah. we kind of make these disconnections but when we're able to sit and be still really allows the body to like relax mm -hmm. reorganize and literally like reduce its like frequency that's, that's being constantly emitted and it's allowed to like kind of like take a break yeah well, what do you think do you think the do you think the like kind of old school macho get over it type of mentality is like actually quite because I, I grew up in that totally and it served me in some ways but it also served me didn't serve me in other ways in regards to let's just call it emotional intelligence i suppose which i've kind of developed along the way of like having you know studying nutrition studying neuroscience having kids having getting having a wife you know all these things certainly um help benefit yeah. benefit that more sensitive side to you yeah. how damaging do you think that like that that ideology of just like you know i'll just get over it you'll be all right it's fine you know like oh, that yeah. that type of like weirdly acute reductionist thought pattern of like okay that's how i'm going to get rid of my trauma right and would you even say furthermore that that males tend to get that at 100%. least in the u.s more of a mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say um, it's really interesting. First of all, our bodies and hearts and souls reject it, at least unconsciously. Right. And so it's like being told, don't when you're angry, don't be angry. And then you feel more angry. Right. It's like it, it doesn't help. But instead, I mean, as long as the anger is expressed in a way that is safe and it has some respect and honor attached to it, to say to someone who's expressing it um, appropriately to say, um, you are so rightfully angry. You know, it's like, it just has the opposite effect of, oh, some relief, you know, that again, being in sync with each other. And mm -hmm. so it's traumatic, as I had mentioned before, when we experience people who are out of sync with us. So to say, get over it is being out of sync with you. And it creates, I mean, you see, I see studies with little kids where a caregiver is laughing as they're crying. You know, they're doing an opposite out of sync response and it just makes the kids more and more disturbed and upset. Yeah. And so what happens is it, it goes from being a difficult experience to be told, get over it, to it bordering on being almost traumatic because they're stepping so out of in sync with you. Um, and they're, they're teaching you to not listen to or trust your feelings. They're teaching you that feelings have some threat attached to them. And so it becomes way more work as we grow up to have to relearn. And, um, and it all goes into the body, right? So then we have more healing work to do. And the healing work is absolutely available and hopeful. Um, but it creates more work for us. Yeah, it certainly does. And I think it's, um, yeah, I think as a, as a, as a parent with young kids, mm. I think if you're unable to become like kind of super conscious of that, what their experiences in the world, you know, they're, yeah. and my kids one and three years of age. And, mm. you know, I could use the, I could use the phrase kind of get over it all of the time. But I think that right. there, there, there are some instances where like, you know, he'll, my son will fall over and he, he is physically absolutely fine. He might just be like, you know, shocked by the fence that by the sense that he's just fallen over yeah. but they're completely different circumstances when yeah they are like cr crying un 
uncontrollably because they've yet you know they've only had three years of experience with like right. anger and rage and you know frustration and all these things that i've got 38 yeah. years of experience with so i've got mm. well i've got a better handle on it but like i wouldn't say it's perfect by any means because we're yeah. always learning right totally so, we, we yeah. hope we are yeah yeah, I hope that we are. And yeah. you know, I, th I think having young kids and being conscious with the fact that they are learning, that they are learning how to be with their emotions and how to yeah. think and how to feel and how to behave. And I've have a, I have a role as his parent to help him not just like ignore emotions, because that's certainly that used to be, that used to be a, unbelievably, mm -hmm. that used to be a parenting method is to also just mm -hmm. like, you know, especially with young men and young boys and mm -hmm. you know, little kids to, know not you know not feel pain not feel emotion not be um mm. vulnerable or anything to suck it up you know like these absolutely mm. nonsensical um terms but right being aware that you know i've i've got this big role in this in my kids development yes. in so many different ways but also being able to be present mm. and sit with him when he is going to be like upset and 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 not happy it's so important to be aware of those things I agree wholeheartedly. And I, I like to think of those with those young kids as teaching moments. Okay, they're crying. This is a chance to express empathy for their feelings and teach them that it's okay to feel their feelings, teach them um, about regulation, about what would it be like if you tried to get to notice where your breathing is as you cry what if we took some breaths together, like to sort of also teach them about feeling the feelings and also about helping them to learn how to calm their body. You know, I think that there's all kinds of moments there. One of my favorite teaching moments that I'm thinking of as a parent, I'm also a parent, although my sons are now in their 20s, um, different seasons, precious seasons, um, when they were young, in the night when they would come into our bedroom and say they had a nightmare. Um, because of a study I had read, we would play this game. And um, I would say, let's sit in a circle here on the bed. And let's together make up new endings to that dream so that it feels better to you. And we'll each take a turn. And because the research shows when you just wake up from a nightmare, if you um, either write down or begin to imagine a new ending that feels better, you begin to interrupt the sequence of that nightmare. Um, and it just, and start to work it out in your psyche. So that that became a teaching moment, not a shameful, go back to your room, get over it, right? <laughs> but let's, let's try to, oh, that's interesting. Let's band together here. Let's, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. gosh, Simon, I'm so with you. Yeah, it's a really interesting example because yeah, like we we don't really remember our dreams so so well, right? So they but they yeah. get locked away somewhere because eventually that dream's going to come back. We're going to have that same dream again, so they get it gets put somewhere. Yeah. But if we were to just you know forget it and kind of not do anything with it, especially if it's a child, and we're talking about like a yeah. nightmare that's caused them caused them to wake up, yes. be disturbed in some sort of way, and move their body to be closer to their mm -hmm. like security. Um, that's a that's a big moment for them and to, yeah. to just like brush that aside just because I'm like tired or I'm sleeping that's just like right. such lazy parenting yeah. but I can see how a lot of people might do that if they're not aware of the ramifications of like, yeah. like having a dream is and right. the emotion because you know if I'm, I'm 40 and my kid comes in with a dream I know that it's just a nightmare and it's not it means sure. nothing right but my four-year-old doesn't oh, quite have that understanding. it's everything yes 
so yeah i i love i love that idea and i love mm-hmm. the yeah i love the idea of like sitting with that sitting with the experience and explaining it and talking about it right and that's that's digesting the experience and, yeah. and moving through it like you would with your food rather than just like oh leaving i love it where that it is. parallel oh isn't that <laughs> wonderful oh that's just profound that you saw that yes great i'm glad you like that that was yeah that's great um, I, I wanted to ask you about how important it is to because you know, taking taking the time to like self-reflect on ourselves and I want to say like our true authentic self, which I think unless you do some hard work or you've been brought up incredibly well, we tend to create personalities that we feel should fit into the into our society and into our little worlds, into our little mm. groups, whether that's our workplace mm. or our sports team or the bar we go to, whatever it is, we'll create different personalities to fit in there to become a part of our group, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly we can have aspects of that which are our true authentic self, but we also we also manipulate that authenticness to to fit in. Yeah, And I just wonder what your thoughts are, are on the importance of becoming a little bit more connected to that true authentic self, like who we are and, and how we want to be yeah. and yeah. how we put that out into the world and not be scared of um, mm-hmm. how that might be perceived or how we might think it will be perceived. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I, As you're saying that, because it's such a huge topic, I thought I'm going to try to do it in a bite-sized example way. And so the bite-sized example I'm going to choose is about our clothing. And it happens to be one of my expressions that I enjoy and have thought about in deep ways. Um, so I think about how we get dressed when we're little. Um, and unless we have a really traumatic childhood, um, we tend to just go ahead and say, I want to wear that sock and I want to wear that sock, you know, of what brings me joy. And, and mm-hmm. maybe they don't even match, but in the, in the joy they match. And we just pick out our outfits because it delights us, right? Not because we're necessarily thinking about what others will think of the outfit. So, and then as we grow up, some of us get teased and, or some of us learn things like, well, in my profession, I'm quote, supposed to wear this or I, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then we start learning these other things and start forgetting what the child in us so brilliantly knew to begin with. And so I think that, you know, so there's all this social conditioning. And um, while, of course, um, it's important to have boundaries that I'm not going to share who I am in like full go with every single human. It's, you know, they have to earn my precious, my full preciousness. Um, So we do, of course, get to have boundaries. I just want to at least acknowledge the boundaries piece. Um, But aside from that, I think in general, um, what I've been trying to retrain myself around is my joy. And so, for example, in the realm of clothing, I have been over the last number of years selecting items that bring me joy. And it began um, 
I'm now 56. It probably began in my early 40s. I was at a Dayton's department store when there was still Dayton's. And I was looking in the little teeny mirror, trying on different glass eyeglass frames. And when I would try on the green, purpley, swirly ones, I'd start giggling in the mirror. And then I'd try on other pairs that just, I was like, well, those look reasonable and, and a good shape on my face. And then I'd put on the green, purpley, swirly ones again, and I'd giggle in the mirror again. And you know what? I made the decision. I am not going to argue with my joy. Um, I'm going to get the purple green ones. And then it became a snowball, Simon. I be, I kept making decisions like that. My paper calendar I'd used in my business that was just black and it said weekly calendar, you know, on the cover. I thought that was professional and there's nothing wrong with it, but it did not bring me joy. There it is. Oh my gosh. Now, unless it brings you joy, then that's great, honestly. But it didn't, for me, being who I am, it didn't bring me joy, right? So I'm going to show you the paper calendar. I don't know if everyone is. Um, yeah, on... so if you're, if you're not watching this, this is a yeah. very, very colorful calendar yes. that says the possibilities are endless in wild colors with stars yes. everywhere. It's quite yes. something. Yes. And um, that's my calendar for 2023. And there's pages in there like this between months, you know, this all colorful and with affirming words, enjoy the process, the outcome, you know. Um, so I've just decided and I, you know, as, as I can see with you, I'm still doing paper calendars too. I just love them. But the point is, is that my therapy clients you know, at first I thought, can I use these to schedule? They don't look professional. But I have decided what's most important is that I role model being authentic and mm -hmm. I role model my joy and I role model courage and encourage my clients to do the same. And also then they're getting a more alive, vibrant me. And so it's become a snowball. And so that when I wear things, it's just all the joy matches. And um, and then, by the way, after I had been doing this for a few years, I began getting requests to be an influencer, an ambassador for like gorgeous clothing companies. <laughs> like, oh, well, that was fun. Yeah. I mean, so then the, the unexpected gifts start rolling in when I'm being myself and I am paying attention to and giving myself what is joyful authentically joyful to me what i knew as a child that's certainly the power of consciousness and awareness and and the the clothing the color the, the clothing thing is such an interesting um topic just for the throughout our human evolution you know like yeah. you're talking about like you know it's an ancient tribal expression and i think back oh. to, the, to the to the gear and the clothes i used to wear in my in my 20s i used to wear all this red and yellows and bright blues oh. Oh. And, and i think I, I i thinking back at it i think i used to wear that stuff to to stand out uh because i had some maybe like low-grade insecurities about some things and i wanted to stand out to to individuals or it's the fact that well, basically since when i met my wife that all changed i got into like neutral colors and i calmed down mm. a little bit so I, I literally think mm. that the the fact that I was attempting to stand out with all this vibrant color was to basically find my partner. And once mm. I, once I had done that, the personality had kind of like switched. And, um, I find as you find a lot of joy and wondering 
green spectacles and colorful calendars i find my joy in the functionality of such items more than yes. the, how they look and i think that's just that's obviously that's okay uh, yeah. and that's just interesting um that the differences in how yeah. how joy can be represented in different people and it doesn't look the that's same true. for everybody but that's you have to right. put yourself in a position to be able to to find those and it's certainly a piece right. about settling down and 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 um recognizing yeah who you truly are and what's maybe not maybe what's not serving you with the let's say the masks that we put up yes. when we step outside yes i again i just really everything you're saying resonates so much Can, I, i'd love to add just a ps i want to say at night time when i'm tired from the day and i'm changing my clothes again I, in the nighttime, tend to wear clothes that are more muted and um, and like it's almost like closing your eyes to sleep. It's my sort of version of closing my eyes to rest with the, with the more muted colors later. So I do that and I love that. But mm -hmm. day and night, it's very important to me that all my clothes are soft and super comfortable. Yeah, well, I think that if you were just to look at the the history of human fashion throughout all cultures, I think, you know, we think that maybe the fashion industry determines colors and determines yeah. trends, but that's nonsense. It's the seasons and it's our emotional state. You know, we don't want to be wearing like super bright clothing all the time during the winter time because, you know, that's a time where we should be like thinking more about like mm -hmm. coziness and warmth and the hibernation. Mm -hmm. And it's got nothing to do with the fashion industry. They just go along with the quite subconscious cultural fashion evolution that we've all, all been involved with yeah. and again that's another piece of becoming connected to yourself a little bit more because yeah. it's very important to work with the seasons because yeah we shouldn't be running around and trying to do all the crazy things that we do during the summer when we've got all this energy and there is literally literally like more energy coming from the sun for longer periods of the time during the day so trying to do all those things again during the winter is just, you know, your body and your energy doesn't really shift like that. You know, our biochemistry changes with the, with, with the winter coming in and, you know, your clothing would certainly change with that as well. So again, like another piece, another piece of just how becoming a little bit more conscious of yeah. yourself and also how that connects to the cosmos and the and your, your surroundings and the weather and everything like that like it's another great piece to um becoming a little bit more settled in, in who yeah. you are thank you again for that reminder and it's, and it's such a um perfect time as the season is shifting certainly is yeah when things because you people can make great steps towards finding their inner self and finding a bit more a bit more courage with with doing that when it's tough when there are times of struggle what yes. can we maybe keep in mind to become a little bit brave and i'll use the example mm. of like change when we want to change something be that i want to drink less coffee because it's it's messing with my anxiety levels it's messing yeah. with my sleep it's messing with my digestion yeah. you know it's a, no it's a small example but there will be times where i will want to you know go and grab a coffee or I yes. want to do something, you know, to do some sort of other behavior. But like, what can I do to like keep in mind and keep in brave to the authentic decision yes. that I've made and my yeah. and myself there? Yes, bravery and courage, boy, isn't that something we all need support around? I would, I, I want to say just a couple quick things about courage. Um, one is that I had the great 
um, privilege twice of uh, when Maya Angelou was alive, just this wise, wise woman, to hear her in a public arena speak. And one of the many things she said that I thought was so beautiful is that of all the human virtues, courage is the most important one to enact because without it, we can't act out any of the other virtues. Um, the other thing that I've heard is that when we want to do a courageous act, it's like having our arms open wide, walking into something, and our knees are shaking, right? So to have courage, it's nerve-wracking, right? Um, but th that's our human experience. So I want to say maybe a couple things about it. One, to hearken back to something we were talking about earlier, which is if I want to be doing these brave steps about something and showing up as myself, that it's going to be helpful for me to calm my body, to do some breath work, to just be with the body, maybe even do a progressive muscle relaxation head to toe of tightening a muscle, loosening it. I'll, I'll share with you also that speaking of the TV show yesterday, this has to do with courage. I said to a dear friend of mine who's a very experienced public speaker, I said, oh my gosh, I don't know why. The last time I did this, I was not nervous, but like it was an hour before and I suddenly had a surge of nerves and I was like, Susan, help. <laughs> and you know what she said to me? That her friend, Anne Lamott, who's a writer, had had said um, when really getting preoccupied with well how, what do I look like was about to go on and speak and how am I going to appear and how am I get you know all these things she said to her we don't have time for that darling it was just this guttural grounding like let's remember what this is really about let's remember why i'm really showing up and that was so calming to me i just was imagining being this as i was driving there this um old woman this old crone who had maybe smoked for years and had this deep crackly voice and, you know, couldn't, didn't have any room for any BS. Just, we don't have time for that, darling. Like we have bigger things here to do. And it's bigger than us in some cases, right? Yes. And so sometimes having a different voice in your head, that's really part of you. But like just remembering the point. Um, the other thing I want to say about being courageous is that sometimes like it can be a wonderful sort of meditation to say my left hand is my scared hand and my right hand is my courageous hand or, or courageous and compassionate. And I'm going to put my right hand over my scared left hand and I'm just going to stroke it. I'm going to be so kind to my scared self, to my scared hand, and just be with it, hold it, because that just allows me to somehow soothe that part of myself and to remind myself that not all of me is scared. Some of me is also very wise and capable and compassionate and can hold that part. Beautiful. I love that. Before we finish up, can you tell us about your new book, The Relationship Book? Why did you write it and who is it for? Sure. The Relationship Book, I, I spent the couple years during the primary um, panic, really, of the pandemic. Because we just really realized, we've always realized our relationships matter quite a bit. But in the pandemic, 
um, I think that we realized it even more as we had increased isolation from one another. And it was such a testament to our resilience and to how important we are to each other that we found creative ways of crawling back and finding one another through technology, through getting a new pet, through just different things, through va getting vaccinations, through our beautiful scientists that we that we just sort of found out like all the more and I felt very moved to really um, speak to relationships. And so in my book, I have, I cover a number of different relationships, relationships with myself, with food, clothing, animals, humans, community and divinity. And um, it's all encouraging the reader to love themselves as they walk through the pages, being intentional, reflecting on where am I at in these different relationships? How can I care for them? And how can I care for myself at the same time? Uh, so an example of one of the page spreads from the one of the chapters about relationships with human beings is about making a promise to myself that whenever I have a conflict or tension with my spouse or with anyone else, a new promise that I will love myself in that. So for example, if I say a sharp word to you and I hear it and I feel bad, I will love myself. If I forget to show up to our coffee date, I will love myself. If um, you let me down somehow, um, and you're not responding to my emotional need, I will love myself. Um, I will also, you know, want to show up and apologize and own my part and grow and transform and learn as well. But I also don't want to miss the step to love myself in all of that. So that's an example of a page spread. But all the pages are in full color. They're fully illustrated by me. Um, when I was young and I went from chapter books to, no, from picture books to chapter books, I remember grieving that. I thought, where did the pictures go? So I, I have brought those back for adults. Good for you. I love it. And where can people find that and how can people connect with you? Oh, thank you. Um, so eventually they'll be on Amazon, but right now I have them living um, at my my website, rachellaws.com. My last name is spelled A-W-E-S. Um, and so once you get to my website, you can click on shop or you can click on my blog or counseling or whatever. It's just the hub, uh, my social media thing, pages, you know, you can find all the things from there. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure that those links are in our show notes so people can check out your book and can check out your work and connect with you if they need to. But Rachel, thank you so much for connecting with us today. I thought we spoke on some very important, soft, lovely topics and I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I've deeply and dearly enjoyed this conversation. As have I. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. I really appreciate it. Well, that is it for this episode of True Hope Podcast, the official podcast of True Hope Canada. Thank you so much for joining us. As I said, um, any information in regards to connecting with Rachel, you can check out the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't yet. You can also leave us a review on iTunes if you feel like it. But that is it for this week. We'll see you soon.